listening to ESL Talk, a podcast made for English teachers by English teachers. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, everyone. Welcome to ESL Talk. We're excited to join you for another episode today. In last week's episode, we were joined by Ben, who shared with us some fascinating insight into the use of corpus for our students and teachers. And this week, we will be covering the world of EAP, or English for Academic Purposes. Many of us have probably taught this or have covered this somewhat, uh, but sometimes without even realizing it. So we will be going deeper into this topic today with our special guest, Leet. Yeah, very excited to talk about this topic. And for our patrons, we have some exciting news. From next month, we'll be running our expert teaching webinar series where you can become an even better English teacher. So if you want to improve your skills, improve your teaching practice, learn more about new areas of ESL and get expert support and one-to-one guidance, please uh, join us to find out more. New patrons can attend their first webinar for free also. So please go on to the website, esltalk.com, esl-talk.com, and have a look on our Instagram at esltalkpodcast. And you will also get early access to new episodes, extra content, mentoring from me and Daniel, and exclusive free merchandise if you join us on Patreon. So make sure you do that today at patreon.com forward slash ESL talk. Yeah, really exciting stuff. Can't wait to see you guys there. Mm -hmm. So let's get into today's topic of EAP, shall we? As this is a subject very near and dear to my own heart. Mm -hmm. Yes, and uh, that's actually how we met. So um, Daniel, as someone who still teaches EAP, um, Mm -hmm. can you maybe share with our listeners, what is it and what are some different areas of EAP teaching? Yeah, absolutely. EAP and ESL, some people might think they're quite similar. The whole approach is actually quite different. So when we talk about EAP, as we mentioned, English for academic purposes, it's all about an academic focus. That keyword really is academic. So it's helping our students to function in a professional environment, maybe in a work environment, in a university environment. So the whole uh, level and the approach and the way that we teach it is slightly different to ESL. Mm -hmm. ESL is more kind of being able to have conversations, 
communicate well and effectively, be able to, um, you know, write and, uh, you know, make sure you can express yourself to a certain level. But EAP is all about that academic focus. So some specific areas that we might think about are task-based learning. So we think about a, a specific need that a student might have. So a student's going to do a master's degree. So what language, what vocabulary, what skills do they need? Do they need presentation skills? Do they need report writing skills? Do they need research skills? So they're much more high level and much more advanced than um, ESL skills. Not that ESL skills are not important. They obviously are. We're just taking it to another level. More so, focus too, right? Like more yeah. of a specific focus, I find. So what that generally looks like is you have kind of an end goal for that student, or if it's a class, you have a kind of a an agreed point or level that you need to reach. Um, a lot of times it's kind of tied in with um, IELTS or the uh, CEFA um, levels. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the times it'll be linked into that. And then you can build in very specific goals and very specific um, areas that students need, as opposed to just speaking, listening, reading, writing at ESL right. level, at EAP level, it's more about being able to communicate to a certain level um, in terms of the um, proficiency or maybe being able to demonstrate certain skills as well. Mm -hmm. So Faye, obviously you've taught EAP too. Mm -hmm. um, how did you make the adjustment going from ESL to EAP? How did you make that, that jump? Well, for me, it was interesting because uh, the, the first time I came into contact with EAP, um, like more, let's say, like like we said, sometimes you do it without realizing it, but more mm -hmm. like specifically was um, when I was asked to develop a new EAP course at the school where I was working. And I had already been working with exam prep and they kind of needed to revamp their EAP program. So they asked me to work on that. And it was really interesting because it was sort of new territory for me. Just a, a, first of all, I started with looking at all the, all the different course books there were. It's a lot more focused on skills and language in terms of like grammar kind of springs up from from the skills so if the students were, were learning to write let's say an academic essay or like you said a report or something like that then there's certain grammar points that might be attached to it yeah but it's not let's say the basis for a lesson so you won't say have a unit usually where like, oh this is the the unit to talk about present perfect that, mm -hmm. that's covered if it's needed so i find it's a lot more focused on that and adapting that adjusting that expectation as a teacher too you know we yes. want to focus on what the students can accomplish more globally but also more specifically for their goals mm -hmm. um and with teaching it i found and even with the materials that i also had to adjust culturally to my students mm -hmm. because a yeah, lot of yeah. times it was about that it was about um, making sure they understood the academic culture, at least mm -hmm. of North America, I'd say, right? The universities yeah. here in Canada and the US and all that idea of critical thinking, plagiarism, mm -hmm. all topics that will come up and yes. not things that we normally face when we are teaching general English. Absolutely. Right? And I was going to say with that as well, generally for us as teachers, we're working to rubrics, we're working to guidelines, yes. we're working to curricula, um, which means there might be a little less flexibility in the actual outcomes, but I mm -hmm. think in your approach, there's a lot of flexibility within that. So it's something right. I really enjoy. Mm -hmm. That's true. And you can, you can feel more guided as well to like exactly. what the end goal is. Yes. Um, and I, I know you really enjoy teaching academic English. That's something mm -hmm. that I, I've kind of uh, strayed away from the past uh, few years, but what makes it enjoyable for you to teach it, Daniel? I really like um, academic English and I, I generally focus on academic writing and I also do um, communication as well. Uh, what I really enjoy the most is that you can really see the progress that a student makes. It's much more tangible. Um, as I mentioned, 
maybe you're working towards a rubric or you're working towards a benchmark in terms of a skill level or a proficiency level. So mm -hmm. it's really enjoyable in that sense because I can start an activity with a student where maybe we're doing a presentation. We can go from the brainstorming to the outline, to mm -hmm. the draft, to the script, to the slides, and we can put it all together sequentially. And you can go step by step with that student or that group of students, and you can actually use those academic conventions within there. Okay, let's think about the vocabulary. Let's think about the language. Let's think about the design of the slides. Let's think about the, the information that we present. So it's yeah. much more technical, but also it's really enjoyable because you can see the students actually trying to take what they already know and they're actually tweaking and adapting what they know as well. Mm -hmm. So I really enjoy that. And another element that really makes it rewarding for me is that you know, when I've worked with students and they've been able to move to another country or get a job in a field that they wanted to, or go to the university that they wanted to, or get their PhD or their master's degree, you know, that's a real huge milestone and it's really high stakes. And that's not discounting ESL at all because ESL has a huge role to play. Um, mm -hmm. But I would say that in EAP, as the stakes are a little bit higher, you're more motivated to help that student and that student's sometimes I generally more motivated to achieve that goal. So you can see that you can work on that together. So I feel like I'm able to make progress more quickly in some ways. Again, there's no better feeling than, you know, a student letting you know and informing you that they're the reason or you're at least one part of the reason why they've achieved their success in their life. So I really True. enjoy that element of it. Um, and then again, obviously, you know, from our experiences, it's quite varied and also quite similar. Um, so what kind of student would you say needs EAP instru instruction more than ESL or EFL instruction, because maybe you have general students or private students or one-to-one -one students. How would you identify those needs that they could benefit from some EAP instruction here? Well, I think it all comes from their goals, right? And that's mm -hmm. where uh, like you have the student and themselves, they, they have to know what their goals are. And I've had EAP classes in the past um, or groups at that first school I mentioned where we had students taking the course without planning on going to university here, mm -hmm. but they were more like um, advanced students or, or students that were a little bit more um, determined to improve or a little bit more hardworking than the general ESL student that would come here who wanted to basically have a vacation and learn English at the same time. Right, right. And they, they often searched for a, a more focused class of mm -hmm. like students who were a little bit like more like keeners, you know, mm -hmm. and that's more their crowd. So I find that there's two kinds of students that benefit from AP. It's definitely, obviously the ones that are going to university in North America or UK who will be in an academic environment speaking English. Mm -hmm. but there's also students who might feel like they have either plateaued or that might feel like they're not getting enough from their general ESL course yeah. are not progressing fast enough and I find that these students are often not that that whole group is not tapped into sometimes mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. um, we don't you don't necessarily have to be um, a, a university student yep. to take an EAP program so yeah. I find that those students really really benefited from it yeah. um, and we're often the most uh, fun to teach because they, they they actually want it to be there Right. That's really like that's a really to. good point. Yeah. With with more advanced students or maybe students who've reached a level of proficiency where they can function and do everything that they need to do. I think some EAP elements can also be really, um, really, you know, productive and really useful for students mm -hmm. because you want to help them be able to go to the next level in their communication. Yeah. So I think that can be always implemented um, with your students if they are, you know, at a good level or they're already quite advanced. You can always 
put those parts of EAP into your practice as well. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like it, it does help teach them something new. And oftentimes it's those academic skills, like we mm-hmm. mentioned already, kind of critical thinking. So for you, when you teach these students EAP, how do you get them to think more academically or think more critically? Yeah, I'll always try to contextualize what we're doing. So, uh, for example, today I taught a writing class and with that student, um, we, we had to plan um, a, a research paper. And, you know, she was thinking, okay, this is a lot to do. Why am I doing this? And I tried to explain to her, well, in a few months, you're going to be coming to the US and you're going to be starting your master's degree. And it's highly likely that you'll have to cover this. Um, Mm -hmm. And she's like, oh, yeah, I think I'm going to have to do research. So I'm connecting it already. So Mm -hmm. this is something I need. This is something that's going to be useful. And this is how it's going to benefit me. So I try to answer those questions and lay that out to a student so that they can see the real value in it. When we're thinking more academically, first, we need to brainstorm. So how do we do that? What are the skills? What are some Mm -hmm. steps we can take uh, to do that? Of course, we can brainstorm with every kind of activity, communicative activity, but how do we do it in an academic way? So I need to make sure that my, um, my prompt or my research area is clear, that Mm -hmm. it's well-defined, that it has um, areas for discussion, that I'm using words and vocabulary that connect to the requirements of the task. So we're thinking very differently. And like you mentioned just a few minutes ago, um, critical thinking is huge. That sort of mm-hmm. plays a, a huge role in university uh, curricula and even just, you know, in terms of getting to that next level of communication. So critical thinking, again, it's not just the what or the when, it's or the where, it's the how and the why. The and why, it's always yeah. going deeper and always going more critically. So when we're um, discussing certain things, sometimes in class, I'll think of that iceberg analogy. So on the surface level, yeah, I can see it. I, I know what it is. I can talk about it. How do I go deeper? What could this mean? What could be the implication of this? What might this mean for the future? How will this affect not just me? How will this affect people in my home country? Or how will this affect people um, in other countries? How will this affect men or women or children or people who are older or people who identify as this or that or the other? So again, there's a lot of perspectives. And and another word there is perspectives um, and viewpoints. So lots of ways you can do it. Another really good point as well is always connecting something to research. So we're using those modals uh, and we're using those hedging words as well. Now that's a small thing, but if a student is discussing something and they say, well, in my opinion, this is the best solution or uh, from what I know, I think we have to do this. Well, Mm -hmm. now if you're having an academic discussion and you're making those claims, you have to have incredible backup and incredible support (laughs) so if we use hedging and modals like may might could should possibly Mm -hmm. okay great then we can start to incorporate research which is the next step so show um, them the difference between that those statements right yes yes exactly so it's it is a process but generally Mm -hmm. when students start to see the value and see how it connects to what they need and their goals like we said um, it's a really positive process and it gets them to think Uh, in that way more often, especially when they're writing, but also when they're speaking as well. In terms of future, we've talked about jobs, we've talked about study. Um, What are some other ways that students could use and utilize EAP for their future? Well, I I find like, like, like we already mentioned, there's a lot of um, cultural um, Mm. background that needs to be considered here uh, for EAP when, when we're teaching EAP and consider our students' background. And 
a lot of times these students are going to be living in an English speaking environment or in a country where English is the primary language or traveling a lot to those countries. And I find that a lot of the skills they learn in EAP will help them work better in this type of society, even like yes. you mentioned for like, even for day-to-day -day discussions with friends mm -hmm. or at work and, you know, the difference between like in tone between making a statement saying like, no, this is wrong and saying, well, I believe this could yes. be different, you know? So the hedging and all that could definitely help them in that and help them just be a little less misunderstood mm -hmm. maybe. And, um, uh, and just express themselves more clearly yes. in in an English speaking environment because we know so much of language is cultural. Yes. And for some teachers, I found that when I was training teachers for this CAP program, they, so many of them took critical thinking for granted. Just like, mm -hmm. but everybody knows how to do that. Everybody knows how to answer a question about why. I'm like, no, you'll be surprised. There's certain countries, certain cultures where students are taught not to do this, especially mm -hmm. in university. You just listen yes. to what the professor says. And that's the truth. That's your gospel, you know, yeah, and, yeah, exactly. and it's just, um, it, it definitely helps them to, I find settle better in countries where mm -hmm. English is, is the first language. Right. So it's sort of like a survival skill in the end. And for you, like, so for me, this, this, this is sort of like a signal, a sign of success for students is when they can mm -hmm. see them functioning better. What is it like for you, Daniel, how does success in AP look like you think for students and for teachers? I would say for a student success is about them being able to successfully navigate whatever it is they need to do. So mm -hmm. um, for example, on uh, in a business course that I teach, we were talking about interjections. In a meeting, um, you know, students tell me, I get lost, people speak too quickly. I mm -hmm. don't really always follow 100% of what's going on. So I feel embarrassed to speak up and say anything. I don't wanna get the wrong, uh, the wrong idea or make the wrong um, judgment. So we talked about interjections. So we practiced, okay, how do I cut in there? And I'm really sorry, can I just stop you for a moment? Mm -hmm. Let me clarify, let me check. So we, we, we made the analogy of you're on, you're on this path from point A to point B. And when you get stuck, when you have to stop, what can you do to get going again? Right, how can yeah. you overcome those barriers, those maybe those those bumps in the road? Um, mm -hmm. So that was one context for work, which we we practiced for a few weeks. And now the success for me is that when we're having lessons now, and we're having conversations in our classes, the students are actually interjecting to say, right. um, Daniel, I'm, I'm really sorry, but could you give me an example of this? Or um, Daniel, I, I, I heard everything you said and I got it, but I'm just not sure about this last point here. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. So we're being more accurate. We're being more precise and we're asking specifically for the information we need, which in an ESL context might, you might not have the time or even the scope to be able to cover something like that in an, e right. in an ESL context. It might just be, Oh, I'm really sorry. Could you repeat that again? That's yeah, perfect. Pardon me. That's it. <laughs> right. But now obviously at this academic level, it's much more yeah. succinct. So we can offer that kind of, um, that kind of uh, instruction for students. So I'd mm -hmm. say that kind of context is, is fantastic. And that's a good example that might illustrate that for teachers success in EAP is where you have a rubric or you have a set of guidelines or a curricula or, you know, um, outcomes that you need to reach. And you can clearly see that the student has seen them and checked them and followed them and can meet them consistently. That keyword yeah. is consistently right. because when I'm teaching students um, writing or they're doing, um, you know, presentations, we'll always start with what are the outcomes? What's the rubric? If you know exactly what you need to do, 
then there's no excuse. There's no yeah. way that you cannot achieve that when you actually come to the, the final uh, assignment or assessment. So by sharing that rubric, going over the rubric, taking mm-hmm. time to explain the steps, you follow the steps, you guide that student step-by-step step through that process, which is again, a little bit longer, a little bit more structured, a little bit more um, long-term maybe than some ESL courses, then again, you can see that success. And, uh, and for me as a teacher, I know, okay, I've done my job because they're able now to, to produce these skills consistently and to a high level. Yeah. And I think it's really important. We, we've mentioned this again and again, but <laughs> we, telling students the whys of why, of the things we do in class mm-hmm. is really important in every context, right? Absolutely. Like, what's the goal here? Why are we doing this exercise? Why, yeah. What do we want to achieve from this? And in AP, it's no different. It's actually even more important that yeah. both yeah. the students and the teachers have that very clearly in their minds. And just think about it ourselves. If someone asks me to do something and I don't understand what why I need to do it, Am I going to be motivated and and infused and excited to do that thing? No. Mm -hmm. But if I see the value and see how it's going to help me, then of course, I'll be much more likely to do it and do it well. Obviously, I've touched upon a lot of of writing and speaking skills specifically. But Mm -hmm. uh, Faye, can you tell me how could we successfully integrate the four main English skills for EAP? So listening and reading more specifically, what are some activities or skills Mm -hmm. that we could maybe do to to achieve um, EAP level um, outcomes? In those skills. I find that a, a great way to think about it is that you can think of your reading and your listening tasks as models for what mm-hmm. your students need to produce when they're speaking and writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that way, integration is easy because mm-hmm. one, it just one kind of um, just connects to the other very naturally. You, you, they do, they read this academic text, this piece of a, like a journal article or something, and then they have to write their opinion on it. And then maybe they listen to somebody giving a talk on the same topic, and then they have to give their own talk after they do a little bit of research. Mm-hmm. So it all kind of connects. And um, I recommend if, if for teachers that are just starting out that kind of want to see what that would look like in a lesson, um, if you can get your hands on the LEAP series mm-hmm. uh, by Dr. Um, Ken Beattie. He has a great uh, series of academic books. Um, Now they have different levels. And you can really see how he integrated those four skills into the units of the book. And I find that it's a really, really great way to, it's just a guideline for how you could set up your own lessons for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's Um, a great point. Yeah, and And it's kind of just thinking of it all as model and production stage and, you know, modeling and producing and all that. Yeah, it's, it's not that different to ESL in a lot of ways, mm. but it's just in terms of the level of detail and right. the the time that you'll take on certain things. So as opposed to doing trying to do it all in one lesson, which you might do in an ESL class, mm-hmm. in EAP class, it might be two, three, maybe even four classes or right. four days where you focus on a skill at a time and then you put it all together. Um, and lots of homework points. too, right? Which is another yes. thing the students need to be aware of as well. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so on, on homework as well, another rule of thumb, again, this is just something that works well in my experience is obviously students feel like they're making the most progress in speaking and writing tasks in yes. the class. Um, that doesn't mean reading should be totally dismissed. So what I found works really nicely is giving students a, a reading for homework and then yep. at the start of the class, spend 10 minutes exactly. reviewing it, identifying academic vocabulary, implications what it means and getting Mm -hmm. some of some of their um, input as well on the topic Um, and then with listening as well another great thing like you said Faye short videos short clips two or three minutes in your class that's not going to hurt or even getting students to record themselves even if it's Mm -hmm. an audio clip or a video clip that just gives them that um, familiarity with doing that it makes them more 
open to share ideas and to actually take more risks when they're trying to communicate in a more academic way. Yeah, very true. Well, that was a wonderful start to our discussion today on the topic of EAP. Yes, it was. Let's now hear from our special guest, Leet, who's going to share with us a little bit more about EAP instruction. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, Lee. Thanks for joining us today on ESL Talk. Hello, hello. Could you tell us a little bit about your teaching journey and how you got into the world of EAP? Oh, it started a long time ago. Um, I got interested in the plight of the Palestinians. And then I actually um, uh, worked in a Palestinian university in the West Bank. Um, so that was my first experience with teaching uh, university students. Um, after that, I went to the UK, to, uh, to Birmingham where I did some research, but while I was doing research, I actually also taught some EAP and it was just a wonderful place where I learned a lot about EAP because it was the place in Europe that dealt with uh, that area. Um, after I, I finished that with all my contacts I had made, I went to Jordan um, and at the University of Jordan, I taught uh, several semesters of EAP with, with one of the people that became actually my guru in that area. And uh, when he left and I left, um, uh, not so long after that, I went to Mexico. Actually, I didn't teach so much of EAP in Mexico. It was much more teacher training at the University of Guadalajara. 
uh, but I did a little bit of, of EAP teaching. Um, after that, I went to Indonesia and worked for the British Council uh, for two years. And in Jakarta, they had a, um, a teaching center that was actually avowedly for EAP. We did almost exclusively um, EAP courses for um, different people in, in uh, different uh, groups of uh, um, students in Indonesia. Um, let me think. After that, I went to France and in Lyon, I worked for the um, Université Catholique de Lyon, where I was uh, working with engineers in, um, in, a, in a particular uh, part of, of that university, and uh, that's called a Grande École. So those were engineers um, only, uh, no other students uh, in, in, in the academic area. Um, after that, I went to the Netherlands um, and worked in Amsterdam. That was more with economics students and business students in, uh, in a certain college in, in the University of Applied Science. And then I immigrated to um, Canada and I arrived in Vancouver where I worked in private schools with EAP courses, you know, that they actually um, organize in their, in their curriculum as, as one of the uh, uh, choices of their private students. Uh, I worked in EAP at Kwantlen Polytechnic University. Um, I worked for a couple of years at UBC with um, first year uh, students. Um, and then in, in the last few years, I also went to uh, Qatar where I worked for um, a Canadian university, the University of Calgary, which has um, uh, one faculty in Qatar in, um, in the faculty of nursing. So that was until mid 2020. So, um, that's um, a few of my last years of just a few just a <laughs> just few, a few. Wow. <laughs> amazing I think you, you, you're probably our guest with the most varied experience around the so. world <laughs> that's awesome that's great um but now in your opinion lee uh, how does eap differ from esl efl or traditional language classes because you do have experience in both and yes i think that, that? What, what uh, teachers need to keep in mind is ESL is really for people who want to live and function in an English-speaking environment. And sometimes that could be at a low level as long as they can function um, in, in a place like Canada, for example. EFL is more um, outside the English language uh, environment, so often at, taught at school in other, uh, other countries. And because of that, sometimes the motivation can be very low and can be a problem. Mm -hmm. Whereas EAP, as an offshoot of ESP, English for Specific Purposes, has a much clearer aim and focus. You know, it's a success in a particular major that somebody wants to, to study in a certain field. And of course, a lot depends on that. The entire career can depend on uh, having enough English in that major and an entire future, right? Including right. The, the financial security of uh, uh, one family or entire families because mm -hmm. of the uh, the person's success at um, the university, but that then includes um, English. So it has a much more clearer path, I think, in the syllabus. Right. Yeah, and you're right. The, the stakes are much higher too. Absolutely. Right? Um, now, what are some of the key features of teaching EAP that uh, teachers should be mindful of when they start out in that special field? I think that if you think of general EAP, uh, you need to think of the academic community. What does the academic community need? How is the thinking and what are the tasks of uh, university uh, life? 
this of course includes critical thinking, it includes um, all kinds of uh, ways of dealing with that language, which is hard, not just for uh, non-ESL speakers or non-English speakers, but also for, for English speakers, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I think that one of the uh, misconceptions is that, that many people think that therefore you teach vocabulary, mm -hmm. which is not really the, the main thing, the main thrust in EAP. Right. Now, if you go a little bit further, you go to ESAP, so that's English for specific academic purposes, mm -hmm. and then you go into one particular major or a, a group of majors, and then you need to really look at um, what is the genre, what is the type of language that is used in that one particular major, uh, and then on the basis of that, you start teaching. I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, when um, when in, in Jordan, at the University of Jordan, um, uh, I was involved in teaching English to the law students, um, their English had to be very precise. They, they were not su supposed to, to make a certain you know, small mistake in the English language because law is um, involved with precision, with very small details. That was not the case with uh, some of the other students that I had in, in the University of Jordan. Um, if you think of engineering students, then you are dealing with uh, people building practical solutions. They need to often to work in groups for that. So again, that that's just makes it a slightly different genre, mm -hmm. uh, even though they have a lot of things in common. So that would be much more ESAP, English for Specific Academic Purposes. Right, yeah. Mm. Wow, there's so many offshoots, you know, EAP, ESL, EFL. That's ESP. right. It's yes. really fascinating. And even though EAP is something that I have a lot of experience in, I'm always learning new things all the time. So obviously with the shift online in the last few years, how have attitudes and approaches towards EAP changed since online teaching has become more commonplace? Lee? Um, well, I must say that I have limited experience. I, I taught just uh, in for two semesters, really only online without mm -hmm. any classroom um, uh, input, etc. So I think the most important things for, for teachers to remember is that the tools in um, ICT, in information and uh, communication technology, means that there are new tasks available for uh, the students and for the teachers to, to actually learn and teach with. Uh, it also means that there's a diversity of locations, there are different locations that can be involved different time zones for students and teachers. Um, the last time I taught, I had to teach or pretend I taught early in the morning at nine o'clock, from nine o'clock until 12 o'clock, but really in, in, in essence it meant for me um, from uh, uh, midnight, I think, until three o'clock in the morning, wow. because that, that was my time zone. Mm -hmm. um, of course, with um, technology and with online teaching, you could cut costs possibly, um, and you have less paper, all the paper stuff. Um, but I think we mustn't forget the problems because, of course, with just online teaching, it becomes less personal. You don't have that, that personal um, that personal rapport with your students. You don't have the class dynamics. You don't have the, the students' um, classroom cohesiveness. Uh, there are always, always technical glitches. So you need to have really very good technical support and very fast support, uh, because otherwise you just lose a lot of time with the, te the technology. And that's also new learning for the students, but also new learning, of course, especially for the teachers. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that we mustn't uh, forget that there, there are big problems with security, security and identity. So 
that might mean that students can much more easily um, fake their identity, etc., sure. in, in, in exams. Mm -hmm. And then um, something that I think uh, can be really overlooked is not all students have the equipment and the money to actually mm -hmm. get the right technology. So they might be hampered in their studies just because of financial and technological um, restrictions rather than, say, a lack of talent, lack of, of, sure. of interest, motivation, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. I think that is, um, I think that therefore one of the, the, the big preferences for many people, both students and teachers, is that you get blended courses mm -hmm. so that you get not just... Um, things on zoom as i needed to, to teach during the you know the lockdown with um the pandemic but you get things on zoom but also the classroom experience yeah yeah, yeah that's, that's a great point you've covered a lot of ground that i actually um had to deal with and a lot of things that i had to also adjust to quite quickly right. and yeah you you generally assume well you know anyone with a laptop or a good internet mm -hmm. connection can join it's so easy but in reality, that's not the case. And I found increasingly that many students really struggled with something that we perceive as quite straightforward and quite simple. Yeah. So that was a real learning learning curve for me. Yes, um, yes. And it, it was something that I, I, I encountered a lot also in my own, um, well, exclusively online teaching, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So when we're thinking about the specific skills of EAP, um, specifically writing and speaking, how can we embed these academic skills into our sessions easily and effectively? Um, any tips or any advice that you would be able to offer on this? I think you need to go back to what I was saying about academic genres. Mm -hmm. What is the kind of language, what is the kind of uh, uh, written language, spoken language in a particular major? So. Mm -hmm. uh, therefore, say in speaking, you get very specific tasks. One, one thing that happens a lot, of course, is giving presentations. What is it like to give a presentation that is not just uh, having the right language? You need to know how to structure the whole thing and how to deal with your uh, audience, etc. That's very different from uh, asking for a hotel room with, with mm -hmm. you know, general English. Uh, it might be that you work with uh, group work in, in, in certain uh, uh, majors because they need to solve problems together. Um, so that is the kind of speaking thing. But I think that is much more, what is much more important is the writing. Writing takes so much time. It yeah. takes an awful lot of time in EAP courses. And I think that many colleges and universities um, or even private schools uh, see that kind of progression from, you know, the, the students need to write a proper sentence. Once they do that, they can then go to writing a proper paragraph. Yes. Once they can do that, once you know how to do that, you can then go to the entire piece of piece of writing, which is probably an essay. Okay, um, and academic writing is hard and complex, also for for uh, non English learners, right? Um, what I can see also is you really need to go then into, well, the different aspects of that genre, let's say the genre of writing an essay or an academic report, and you have complete lessons or more than just one lesson about how to write an introduction, how mm -hmm. to write a conclusion. How do you write examples? Well, how do you do that? Mm -hmm. um, what is it to write to, you know, compare and contrast? What, what is the language that is involved in comparing and contrasting? Um, what are the transitions to go from one paragraph to the next or from one sentence to the next? What is, you know, the, the, what is the sentence like if you go from one idea to the next idea? 
Mm-hmm. Um, how do you present your results? How do you present your discussion? Um, and of course, proper vocabulary is involved. So that needs to, to be yes. taught as well. Uh, but think of something that maybe is not even directly linked to language, like visuals. How do you deal with the visuals? What, what do you do with that graph or the, the mm. histogram, etc.? And how do you write some, something about that histogram, etc.? So there's, there's so much involved in writing. Uh, it's it's a, a lot, a lot of, of language. And so much mm-hmm. of it seems to be related to culture as well, right? Because when you're teaching students, like you said, it's not just a language, right? So like having said that, I guess like our feedback is pretty important, right? But the teacher's feedback is going to be key for the student's success. So what are, what are some of the most effective ways you think that teachers can give feedback to students on their writing or their speaking in EAP? I think what happens in general English classes is often a very kind of global kind of um, evaluation from mm-hmm. the, the, the teacher. Uh, well done, or, you know, mm-hmm. but in, in the speaking and especially in the writing of academic English, you need just to look at one particular aspect. So the rubrics need to be very, very carefully worded, very carefully researched, so mm-hmm. that you, you, let's say, in... Um, um, in, in, in speaking, there are certain things like, you know, how, how, uh, how is your pronunciation? How loud were you? Did you actually have uh, eye contact, etc.? Th- th- it's a long list of, of particular things that you look for. In writing, even more importantly, it's not just, you know, how good was your grammar? Okay, you get something for that. How good was the vocabulary? Fine. But then how was the, the logic that you presented? How was the argument that you presented? So mm-hmm. it's really feedback that's very ex- extensive. And mm-hmm. what I found that, um, um, you know, even with, with one hour, one page of writing, uh, it might take you a whole hour to give you the feedback to the students because you only yeah. give the feedback about say the grammar and then you give only the feedback about uh the logical argument etc so you're you're just re um re-evaluating um that one piece of writing all the time with with different eyes um it should be something that should not be overlooked or uh, uh underestimated by by teachers who want to get into eap yeah, and I think that's a key point, like underestimating it all, because I do remember the first time I taught um, EAP, or actually when I was developing an EAP course, I, I was not ready for the amount of marking that yes. was ahead of me, you know, and, and how um, detailed I had to be, how thorough and how long it would take me to get yes. it done. Yes, and, and that's a lot, yes. Yeah, yeah, and even like at school administration sometimes don't value that work too, right? So it's important, I find, for new teachers to realize how much work they're going to be getting and maybe make sure that they will be, you know, uh, properly valued for that or compensated because yeah, the, it can take a lot of your time. And of course you hope that the people who are higher up in the hierarchy who might not be English language teachers also understand that that is what you are doing and therefore yeah. you need that time. Exactly. So that may be, uh, you know, something that's lacking in, in, in HR or, or wherever it might be. Yes, Absolutely. Now, um, apart from that, how can uh, teachers who are just about to start teaching EAP, um, how can they prepare or how can they start for that? What are some, some of your uh, tips for newbies in the field? Um, I think that what is interesting is uh, um, I think most of us actually go from ESL teaching or EFL teaching and then move into EAP teaching, right? So that yes. it's 
it's some kind of continuation. It looks as a, as a continuation, but you do need to keep in, in mind that you're dealing with a completely different way of, um, of thinking, a different basis. So you need to think of that um, uh, university environment or college environment and then go from there. I think in that respect, it's incredibly important to think of um, your own background in, in university and, and all the struggles you had yourself with that. Okay. Um, in the other, so, so there we, again, we're going back to, to certain things like genres, etc. Um, but what I think is important is that I once saw uh, some, some manager, um, very, apparently very good EAP teacher, and um, he had a, a school for, for EAP teachers and he, he absolutely refused to have any ESL teachers or EFL teachers mm. to uh, teach his uh, specialists. He said that uh, in order to teach the, um, the lawyers and the legal students, he took a lawyer mm. and he took an engineer for the engineering students and he took a, a doctor for the medical students, etc. And then... Um, somehow he prepared them about how to teach that language. I mean, mm. you know, basically, basically he said, um, I mean, I think that one of his uh, basic uh, tenets was, I would rather die than take, than give a job to an ESL wow. teacher. Uh, so he went to the discipline itself and then recruited from there to teach his uh, specialists. Wow. So that's of course a very different uh, approach, but I yeah. think that most mm. of us would come from the, the ESL or EFL uh, sector before we, we get into EAP. Yeah, I think it's something, if you're just a new teacher, just, just starting in teaching, I think this is probably an area where you might want to have at least a few years experience before you mm -hmm. dive in. Because as, as you mentioned, Lee, there's so many considerations, so many elements, so many layers, and a lot of things that you would need some foundational skills or some experience in before you really yes, get yes. into this. Yeah, and I think that I'd like to add that um, um, uh, a very good way of, of, of starting, especially if um, you've just arrived in, in a place, is actually go to the, the discipline teachers, the content teachers, and see whether you can, uh, you know, see whether you can actually uh, find out what they are teaching. And then mm -hmm. on the basis of what you see, in that content area, then put your own uh, lessons together. And yeah. sometimes with, with the cooperation of, um, you know, professor or a teacher like that, you get a lot of insights. Um, mm -hmm. For example, when I was at UBC, I found out that the year before when there wasn't a course like the one that I had given, um, students got stuck in the final exam in that year because there was one word they didn't know. They didn't know the word cylindrical, and that was oh. part of the exam question. Yeah. So the the um, uh, instructors, the professor said, "Please, can you teach things that are that have to do with um, shapes? You know, yeah. a, a student in engineering must know the word cylindrical and cylinder. They need to know anything like." sphere and spherical etc mm -hmm. if they don't know and then get stuck in an exam question they might even fail so that is something that you can then do in your collaboration in your cooperation with the, the content teacher mm -hmm. yeah that seems Sounds to be like, like the, the ideal yeah. um situation yes, right? yes. it sounded, <laughs> it sounded like they out. needed a, a, a corpus perhaps for that subject <laughs> right that was our ties. previous episode right. was on that yes. yeah. <laughs> exactly wonderful lead and yeah I, I really like what you said there about collaborating working with others making sure there's mm -hmm. consistency and there's some progression between different levels particularly in eap mm -hmm. because that's something that i've 
really found uh, can be tricky. Um, and, and as we know, Faye, sometimes mm-hmm. between levels, there isn't quite the um, synergy that there should be, but right. it's definitely a huge consideration. <laughs> so Lee, um, thank you for sharing, you know, some incredible insights. Um, how can our listeners get in touch with you if they'd like to reach out and find out more about EAP? Uh, maybe they could just email me. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, and the, uh, the email address would be EAP editing because I actually, that's what I do mainly now, uh, editing EAP writings. So EAP editing, that's E-A-P-E-D-I-T-I-N-G at telus.net. Okay. We'll be sure to write that in our lesson in the, um, we'll be sure to write that in an episode description as well. So feel free to okay. reach out to Leap if you have any more questions about EAP. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Lee. It was, it was lovely talking to you. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. All right, Leap. Thanks again for sharing lots of expert knowledge in the areas of EAP. Hopefully many teachers can learn from some of this amazing guidance and information. And please get in touch with us on Instagram at ESL Talk Podcast or send us an email to esltalkpodcast at gmail.com. Also, you can visit our website to access all of our previous episodes from every season for free and find out more about our new teacher webinar series coming and the Patreon benefits you get, which starts from just $3 a month. So go to esltalk.com. Remember, the website is esl-talk.com. It is. And don't forget to join us on Instagram individually. You can find me at Learning with Faye. Faye is F-E-Y. Or at I'm Daniel Teacher. So that wraps up another episode. Don't forget to join us for our webinars on Patreon. And we'll see you next week for another brand new episode. See you then. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe for even more ESL teaching content.